What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch. I'm your host. Today's guest is Mark England. Mark has a remarkable ability to change a few words in any sentence that you speak that totally influence the way that that sentence feels and the actions that that sentence will actually drive you to commit. It is an amazing talent that Mark has been able to turn into a program that he calls Procabulary. It's a program that I actually found so valuable myself that I put my entire staff at Active Life through it. When you listen to this podcast, you're going to start to hear things from Mark that are they're remarkable. I mean, when you start thinking about the words that you use every single day and how meaningless they sometimes feel, but how meaningful they actually are, it will blow your mind. I will give you a simple example of what we're going to talk about in the show so you can hear what I'm talking about. If you said something to me, or better yet, if I said something to you like, I love your idea, but think about the way that that makes you feel. Now, what if I said to you, I love your idea, and what comes after those two sent those two words could be totally the same thing. I'll keep going with it. I love your idea, but I think we need to do it a little bit differently versus I love your idea, and I think we could do it a little bit differently. The second one sounds and feels a lot more comfortable and is likely to get you what you want more often than the first. This podcast is going to go way deeper into that kind of conversation language, and I think that you are going to find some huge, huge value from it. So listen to this one. If you have a pen and paper, I definitely recommend keeping it close to you. Mark dropped some bombs on this one. Enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to the Active Life Podcast, Mark England. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Dr. Sean, for having me. It's my pleasure. So as you guys know, I just gave you a brief introduction to Mark England in the introduction, and he's become somebody who I look to for some guidance as far as the way that my language is going, the things I'm saying about myself, to other people. And it's really the things that you're doing, Mark, have influenced the way that we talk to our clients when they come on board and the way that we handle our clients once they're working with us. So I would love for you to give people some background on just who you are and where you come from so that we can get into helping them have better conversation with themselves and their friends. Happy to. Once upon a time in 2002, well, up until then, I was uh, living in Virginia, Virginia boy, Richmond born and raised. And um, yeah, early February 2002, I moved to Bangkok, Thailand. I'd only had my passport for a couple of years. So that, that makes a, it gives it a little bit of context. N- not well traveled at all. This was a huge move. And I moved over there because I wanted to turn pro as a fighter. In college, I wrestled in high school, got into Brazilian jiu-jitsu in college, and myself and my teammates, we were, we were doing MMA in the very early days, late 90s, early 2000s. And um, I was the mediocre athlete on a team of studs, and these guys were opening gyms, going pro. And I, I was looking at this, I was like, man, this is so cool to be involved in. And I got the opportunity to go to Thailand. The plan was go to Thailand for a year, teach English, train, 
come back, go pro. I get over there and almost upon impact, the job was whack. So little side story, we hustled a little bit and my girlfriend and I got, to, got good jobs at an international school teaching, teaching PE. Um, and right around six months in, everything was cool until it turned very uncool. Uh, got injured training and in all my brilliance kept training uh, and ended up having a second knee surgery over there. And nice. The doctor, yo, it was awesome. It was absolutely fantastic. Doctor told me, I, I remember clear as day, sitting in his office. He goes, uh, you know, I have, uh, I've, I've had one person, and this, all this guy did was knee surgeries. He goes, I've had, I have one person with a, a knee like yours, and um, he, he can walk. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how he said it, and I'm sitting there. <laughs> Trust me, I didn't laugh like you did. I wish I did. No. I just, I, it was, it was just, it was insult to injury. And um, what he was right about is that my fighting career was over. Um, what happened after that was me playing on loop, repeat a horrible story about myself and my self worth. And I used those experiences, the, the knee surgery and the training that led up to it, the accident, quote unquote accident, uh, as, as proof, as evidence that there was just something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. Don't know what it is, but you know, I've got the evidence. Okay. Great thought process. And, and I took that, uh, uh, victim mentality so far that I didn't laugh for a year. I couldn't get my face into position to enjoy the moment, to laugh at anything, to smile, really. Were you still in Thailand or had you moved back at that point? I was still in Thailand and I actually stayed over there. I stayed over there for 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, was, I lived in Bangkok and did the whole, that's why I brought up the good job thing. I stayed at that particular job for five years in Bangkok. And part of the reason... Um, most of the reason was that I couldn't go back. In my mind, I can now not go back because it was a huge deal at the time for anyone to move over to Thailand. There was a lot of expectation on me, mostly placed on me. And then, then all I was, all that I was, my entire identity in back in Virginia was wrapped around being that fighter. So I'm like, I'm not going back there, not being able to be that person. Let me turn that in. Let me, let me translate that into affirmation. So the idea of me moving back to Virginia and um, being uh, boring in my mind was I, I'd rather live overseas and just see what happens. So I did. Um, there, there came a, a fateful night at a, at a Cuban salsa club in Bangkok. About six months after, mm-mm, not quite six, let's just say three, three months after surgery, my girlfriend decides to start taking salsa lessons, okay? And uh, I'm like, okay, great. Guess who's not taking salsa lessons? Me. Why? Because I still can barely walk without a limp. Mm-hmm. So she would take salsa lessons on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then we'd go in on the weekends to the club called La Rueda, which is the wheel. It was a Cuban salsa club. And guess who goes to Cuban salsa clubs? 
guys who can dance salsa. Cuban salsa dudes that are shit hot dancers. Yeah. <laughs> and guess who Cuban salsa dancing studs really, really, really like? American women. Blonde American women. Yeah. <laughs> so I would sit at the bar and just drain Heineken's watching these guys spin my girlfriend around. She was stunning. Spin her around on the on the dance floor. And then one night it 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 hit me. Or should I say I hit me? I'm watching this. <laughs> and uh, you know, this is normal for that situation and i'm looking at these some of these dudes and some of these dudes are looking at me they know we're together we're in the community and and they're thinking you know how i can see the computer running how am i going to get her out of this bar underneath this dude's nose Mm -hmm. that's not what bothered me okay uh you know fine that's what some guys do okay no news flash there what really bothered me is that i didn't care I was cold, numb to the whole thing, drunk and numb. Well, so it's interesting that you were able to actually observe yourself in that moment. I mean, I'm glad I did because it scared me. And in, a, in that, there was, it wasn't one, you know, pivotal moment. There were several pivotal moments when I, I, I really recognized what I had done to myself to the degree that I could. And that was one of them. And in that moment, I looked at myself and I said, man, you can be this bitter version of you for a long time. There's nothing stopping you for, from doing this for 30 years. Like if, if I, I recognize that if I kept this story going, which some people do. I mean, most people know someone who's bitter. That doesn't happen overnight. Right. Okay. That's a, that's a long game play. And I looked at that version of me and I was like, man, that's, it's, a, it's a waste of talent. And uh, it's just, it just scared me for all the right reasons. So right around that same time, I was, um, I was at the pool with my fifth grade class and the guy that took the middle school and the high school was there too. He had his classes over there and he handed me this book, the Tao of health, sex and longevity by Daniel Reed. And I look at this and I'm I'm like, what's this about? And he goes, Hey man, there's some pretty cool stuff in there. Read it, thumb through it. And, uh, and it talked about traditional Chinese medicine and how they went about cultivating health and vitality. And it talked about meditation, qigong, diet, breathing exercises, acupuncture, meridians. And then it talked about pooping, poop. And it showed uh, a, a diagram of someone on a toilet and then it showed, and, and their insides, their, their intestines were all like compact because it was out of alignment. And then it showed another person squatting and mm-hmm. it showed how it, it put everything into alignment. And God bless, I had, to, I had to take a poop. An enlightened poop changed my life, Dr. Sean. So it's a true story. I go right, I go into the bathroom, I squat on the toilet, have an amazing doo-doo. And me, it was, it, I, I stand up and I take this... Oh, of super <laughs> fresh air. And I was like, oh, oh, my. oh that, that air was not that fresh. Yeah, well, the, the, it, part of it, <laughs> the, the, my ability, my capacity to get my breath down into my abdomen, that's what was fresh or refreshing. Right. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm in. This is somewhere where I can start. So uh, I, 
I go back and, and, and he says, you know, there's a detox facility, a cleansing resort on the island of Koh Samui that's, that's modeled after this book immediately. Tap, tap, tap on the internet, research it. It's there. I book in, go down there, have my first cleanse, feel better. Okay, this is something that I can, I can now participate differently with myself. Now that, that cleanse, was it, was it like a, I don't want people to think, was it like, a, it wasn't like a juice cleanse. It sounds like it was no. a full, full human cleanse. Yes, it was, uh, they were using the Arise and Shine products from Dr. Richard Anderson. They were very popular back in the day and it revolved around um, herbal uh, detox pills and then psyllium husk shakes. Oh, so it was physical. It wasn't like mental. It wasn't mindset. Oh, oh, oh so, pardon me. I misunderstood you. Yes, absolutely. It was completely physical. Got it. Okay. It was completely physical. Interesting. And having, having said that, uh, myself and many of the, the people that went down there, it was very high volume would have shifts in perception in perspective. Okay. So we, we, we stop doing this so much mm-hmm. and we're out of our environment and we get to reflect back on things and they had meditation they had um, you know uh, uh, other practitioners of different kinds of healing modalities and stuff but uh, I was way too closed up for that I just I, it made sense to clean up the to clean detox my physical body right because I needed to and that's where I started and I kept going back down there. I can keep going on that line of, of the story if you want me to, or we can. We well, can what, what, yeah. what I think I'm most interested in is that that injury sounds like it took you, what, 10 years to really wrap your mind around and get over? How long after that injury were you, Mark England, the guy who I'm talking to now, in its earliest form? Very good question. It took me seven years, and it was a, it was a it was a slower path. It doesn't matter. It took me seven years to get to the point where I uh, I was glad that it happened. Right, and I know that like ten months ago, you had a very similar severity of an injury to your elbow. Snap City. Yeah. And I imagine that we wouldn't be talking right now if you still wrapped your mind in the identity of the person who couldn't tolerate that kind of an injury. So what was different? I see myself, I see part of myself. Yes, I'm Mark the character. And I'm also the ability to, to create me, if that makes sense. I'm the ability to create the story of Mark England. I am a, I am a, I am a character. I'm a person. I'm, a, I'm also a process. And I engage in myself differently now. Okay, I, see, I see my story for what it is. It is, a, it is an interpretation of a series of events. It's okay. not factual. Okay? So my interpretation, the story that I told myself about my knee injury was it was much more based on opinion than it was fact. Meaning what? Meaning that um, he, this is proof that I'm not good enough. Got it. So you, you projected a second layer of reality on top of something that was objectively simply a knee injury. 100%. Because there's my knee injury and then there's my story about my knee injury. Those are yeah. two different things. Well, and it's so funny that you say that because when we, one of the first things that we do with a new client 
before we even bring them on. Because we screen everybody to work with us before we start taking them on as a client to help them get out of pain. Good. Is um, we make sure that they understand they're not broken. That's, that's the first thing that we do because people will call me up and be like, I just have this, you know, I, have, I just have bad knees. Like I've had bad knees my whole life. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a story you're telling yourself. Mm. You don't have bad knees. You haven't figured out how to correct the pain you're experiencing in your knees. Can you stand up? Yes. Well, that's a, that's a demonstration of knees that work for standing. So what don't they work for? And is there a solution to that problem? And there's a big light bulb that goes off in people's heads because they're like, huh, I guess I do have an opportunity to, to do this differently. And what's, what's mind-blowing to me, because I didn't, until I, I think it was the first podcast you did with Mike Cashew at Brute. And then, um, you know, I've, I've followed your, I watched your TEDx talk on YouTube. I've seen a bunch of other stuff that you've done. And it's, it's interesting because that first conversation actually gets people out of pain before we even start oftentimes. I mean, is that surprising for you? At this stage of the game? No, not at all. It's exciting for me. I'm mm-hmm. excited for them. And one of the reasons that, uh, I do what I do and I love to do what I do. I've been doing what is now procabulary for 12 years full time is because, and you demonstrated some of it, when you help someone, and this is what what you guys just said it on the first call, you help question them out of that outcome identified story. I have bad knees Mm -hmm. and you put them into a, a more of a process-oriented conversation. What do I need to do to alleviate some of this pain? You have your own way of, of, of structuring those conversations. That the, the facial expressions people make when, the, when they're, yes. the, the psychological, like the, 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 the structure of their thought, the, their thinking, their story changes, I find that fascinating to, to no end. And and to make it even better, a lot of times it comes along with one of these. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yes, it does. So what is that? That's a sigh of relief of pressure. With your words, you're changing their story. And it's showing up as a, a down regulation. Their breathing is start to, starting to – it's very stressful to be injured. It's very stressful to think you're broken. I know that those stories like the back of my hand. And it, it, and to come out of that, um, it, it shows up in how people breathe. Well, and the, the interesting thing, Mark, that I'm finding now is the next level of stress for them is in trusting that they can, now that they know, wow, I can, I can change this. Okay. The next question is them asking themselves if they believe that they can actually execute on a process that is proven to work and what it means about themselves if they can or cannot. And that's the next part of our conversation that is, I mean, it is, it gets intense on these calls sometimes. I, 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 I thousand percent believe you. Uh, you, you, you'll take people into areas. Some, some of your clients go nuclear. 
I would imagine. Safe mm-hmm. to say with emotional releases, responses, some people digging their heels in. Yes. Some people digging their heels in and just white knuckle grip on that story. I know because I was addicted to that story of woe. Yeah. I mean, look, I want to, I want to, I'll tell you one more brief story because then I would like you to kind of take people who are listening to this through the path that you would help somebody like this person to go down in order to change their false narrative. Gotcha. So I'm recently having a conversation with a gym owner about how active life can help his company provide a higher level of value for their clients. Yes. And that our belief is that there is a negative perception of CrossFit gyms in that they cause injury. Now, whether that's true or not, probably depends on the gym, just like any other business. And this guy was in total agreement. He's like, yeah, our retention is really bad and people don't come in because they're afraid of getting hurt. And I just don't think people would pay more money if we did a better job. And I said, okay, well, took him down the path, showed him ways that we would teach him how to communicate with his members and things that they would be able to do that would magnify their value and increase their price as a, as a, as a formality. It would have to happen. People would understand it to pay more for that kind of attention. I'm like, do you believe that that would work? He's like, oh, 100%. Yes, that definitely would work. I said, do you believe you could do it? Yes, 100%. I could do that. Do you believe me that I'm trustworthy? Yes. Do you believe I would never tarnish active life's reputation? Yes. Great. Are you ready to start? Well, there's one problem. What's that? You see, the people who come to my gym, they just, they don't care about this kind of stuff. Like the income in this area is low and they don't value any of that kind of stuff. And they don't even want to do nutrition challenges and they don't want to do this. And we couldn't get someone to buy a one-on-one training session, no matter how good we were. And we couldn't raise our prices. We're losing members out the back door every single month. Seven negations in a row. I'm counting. Dude, over and over and over again. To the point that I said to him, look, I, I actually believe that the hardest part of us helping you is going to be helping you change the story that you tell yourself about the people who come in your door. Because until you, our assessments, our coach immersion program, teaching how to fix this stuff, none of it's going to work until you can stop lying to yourself about who's coming through your doors. How would you help that person so that he can change his language, help more people, make more money? Pattern to details. So as far as his story is concerned, it's, and I'm speculating, Mm -hmm. is that there have been, when he thinks about the history of his gym, there have been uh, some apex experiences that have helped him create the lens which he now sees his clientele through. What is an apex experience for people who don't know? Let's say an apex experience or uh, an emotionally charged event is where someone comes in. Let's just say um, her name was was Stacy, and she was just ultra negative about the whole thing. Signed up, said she was going to sign up for for six months, and then backed out of the contract or tried to in two and, and gave a bunch of excuses. And then someone, the same thing happened two days later. Mm-hmm. And now he's thinking, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? Why, why, are, why are my clients acting this way? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. It has to do with the reticular activating system. So I, I told this, I frequently tell this story because it's, uh, everyone can relate. My car was stolen uh, in, in, in August of 2017, and I ended up driving my dad's farm truck, 1985 Ford F-150. You've seen the picture of it. Yep. Two tones, brown and browner. It's a, it's, it's a <laughs> mint condition. He loves this thing. I drove it around Richmond for two whole months, and within a matter of days, I started seeing Ford F-150s everywhere. Mm-hmm. If you'd have taken me and put me in a Porsche 911, I would have started seeing more and more Porsche 911s. Not in my town. Um, I'm kidding. In green vans? Uh, no, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. That's, but that, yeah. that's what I hear when I tell people this idea. Go on. Exactly. And it's the same thing um, with people. You know, you've got, let's say you've got two friends and it, it all comes down to what we're focusing on. One of the key words that we are synonymous with is focus. Procabulary, it focus. You've got two friends and one friend comes and tells you something about the other friend. And then the next time you see the other friend, they actually look different to you in your mind. Mm-hmm. It's changed your, your it's, it's, has, it's a reticular activating system, which is, it is programmed to um, find whatever is deemed important. And it does not deem what, what is important. What we focus on deems what's important to it. And then once it's programmed, F Ford F one fifty trucks. It goes out and it finds more and more of those. And while it's doing that, it edits out uh, blue Oldsmobiles and everything that's not that. Right. So, so, so for people who 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 are trying to picture what Mark is talking about, if you've ever watched the Invisible Gorilla video, mm, right, or, dude, hundred percent. That's it. And so, so it's the idea that like, watch how many times the ball gets passed. You know, what? I'm not going to tell you. Go if you haven't seen it. Go watch the Invisible Gorilla video and see see what happens in it. It um, yes. Hundred percent, and to to tie that back into what's going on with that guy, let's say that he had three or four negative experiences with his clientele in a short amount of time, and that programmed his reticular activating system to presuppose that his other clientele are like that. There's a reason. So let's let's go back even further, or back up even more more wide. There's a reason that he's telling himself a story about his clients that particular story about his clients. And so where we make this practical, I want that in order for him to break that spell, the Webster's definition, not mine, the definition of a spell is a word or a combination of words of great influence. He has some memories, some experiences, and maybe some of them are coming from, you know, his childhood, maybe when he was 16, his parents got a divorce, money got super tight, and he witnessed a couple of arguments around cash. And then he carried that through his life. And now that's also showing up as, um, uh, impediments to him in his in his professional life that happens a lot. So get those experiences, those memories, those, those apex memories written down on paper. This is huge, people. Okay, the stuff I'm sharing with you right now it's 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 ultra practical. I've used this in my private practice for years now. From everything from procrastination to torture and war crimes. Uh, 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 nightmare scenarios and it always does the same thing because we're working with the mechanism of the story it helps people down regulate themselves and when someone down regulates themselves 
Okay. So tie it back to your, your, you know, some of your clients when they go, hmm, that's a down regulation to the degree that it is. And what that does is it gets some of, of, of that glue that holds our perception perspective on whatever it is, it loosens it up. And then we can, oh yeah, well, maybe I can, if I do this thing that Dr. Sean's talking about, maybe I, maybe, maybe I could. So you, and you'll hear it in the language. They're socializing that, these ideas and they have a couple other conversations with you and they go from, well, you know, maybe I could to, I, I, I can't. You hear the difference? Of course you do. Yeah. You hear it all the time. And then, you know, they keep, they keep working with you and now they're in, in, in the am and the will stages. And now they've got momentum. They've, they're building habits. It's, it's really exciting. So get the, write it down conversationally as if you were telling someone. So, so, so if we're talking about, let's just say this guy's name is Bob. The first thing Bob needs to do is he needs to write down the apex experiences that make him believe these things about his clients. Yes. The second thing he needs to do is what? Spooky as it might be, read them out loud. Okay. And that's going to what? Register them in his mind? It's going to make it more real and finite. A lot of times, you we've all had, if anyone, if anyone that's listening has at least one friend, then at times you are a therapist. And that one friend, or maybe you have many friends, hopefully you have tons of friends. A friend calls you up and, and you meet up for coffee and they say, man, I just needed to talk to somebody about that. Mm-hmm. Ver- there is something cathartic when it comes, can we agree on that? There's something cathartic when it comes to verbalizing a problem, an issue. Yeah. Perfect. So that's step two. Step three is to say it again, and this a very important part of the vocabulary conversation is upregulation and downregulation. Up, and our breath follows are are these regulatory process processes. Step three, you repeat the same story, which is why you write it conversationally at seventy-five to eighty percent speed. So what that does is it further downregulates the person. So when you say that, you mean physically say it slower? Yes. Physically, physically say it slower. And what that will do is it will give you more time to breathe. And it will, it then, are your, is your audience going to be able to watch this or are they just listening? They're going to be able to listen. Okay, cool. So describe to them what I do here. So it takes, it take, we've all heard the term breathing room. They literally give themselves breathing room. So the story is right here. It's all encompassing. All of my clients are, this is a low income area. All of my clients are this, this, and this. And then write it, write these stories down and it just brings it on out here. Right. So what Mark just did is he, he took a clipboard, put it right to his face so he could only see what was immediately in front of his eyes and then backed it off away, 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 away. So he could see the entire board, what was behind the board, what was around the board. That's what happens to people's mental imagery when they slow the story down and get some more breath, get better breaths during the story. And step four, if you want to take it this far, and it's not far at all, which I highly recommend. And all, one of the other reasons that we, we in our process, this is called our story, this is our story work process that we have people write down their stories conversationally is because at the periods, people stop, pause, breathe. I'll give you an example. Okay, so let's pretend at 16 years old, Bob's parents got a divorce and money got super tight real fast. And he writes down the story of his 16th birthday. I woke up 
it was, and it was my 16th birthday and I was expecting at least a couple of presents period. I walked downstairs and my mom was at the kitchen table with a very distraught look at her face with a pile of bills in her hand. That is the process mm-hmm. to help people get themselves unstuck. Is that because they're activating their prefrontal cortex with that breathing? They're, they've hijacked their amygdala. If we want to get all uh, Martin Seligman about it. <laughs> and, okay. and that's if, if someone, so uh, uh, that's the guy that wrote emotional intelligence. Um, and he coined the term amygdala hijack. So when someone gets in an argument, it takes roughly four hours for them to come off of that quote unquote high because they ha- they're, they've gone into a certain process. Someone can um, uh, uh, get out of that process much, much, much faster when they do that process, when they, when they go through. So let's, if you watch somebody yell like, a, mm-hmm. like an argument, they're usually talking very fast. Right. Okay, so so Bob has now done this. Yep. What's next? Now he can focus on the words. So like I said earlier, we've gone pattern, <coughs> excuse me, to details. And the details are the actual sentences. And when someone knows just a little bit more, a little bit goes a long way about how some of the key words in our language spin us out, they can start to make adjustments to the story. And I've got right here, some spell cards and these have nothing to do about Bob or with Bob. What about Bob? They've got nothing to do with Bob. Uh, and they are real things that real people have said. Okay. And I use these in presentations. So when we are less emotional, when we are more centered, we can look at our story more objectively. Okay. Read that out loud. So that card says, how can I ever get over this? Okay. Now take out that word and read it again. How can I get over this? What's the difference? One of them has the first one for me, at least I didn't even like saying it. And the first one has almost like a sense of victimhood to it. It says like, how will I ever that's the emphasis word is ever. How will I ever figure this out? That seems impossible. Yes. Where when I take out the word ever, it becomes a logical question without an emotional attachment that says, how will I get over this? Well, here are the steps I need to take. Thousand percent. A client said that right there. And I said, great, write it down. Right. Because right. once it's on paper, it's on paper. It's yeah. sprung. It's now, it's, now, it's now externalized. And mm-hmm. we can look at it. As opposed to, we can look at it objectively or more objectively as, as instead of a, our knee-jerk reaction to believe our thoughts because they're, they sound like us. It's our voice in our head, so it must be true. Mm-hmm. It taken Just the one word game. We talk about the one word game frequently. We take out the word ever and the drama level comes way down. Let's do that again. That was fun. Cool. I got a bunch <laughs> of these. I don't need to do it a bunch of times. Let's just do it again though. All right. It says, so, so you guys know Mark is holding a card up for me to read. It says, 
He made me think we needed to get married. Two plus two equals four. I know, right? That's tough. A person wrote this down, distraught, pissed. Right. Okay? I yeah. said, great, write that. Of course, because it should. This, this statement, because two plus two equals four, should piss her off. Yeah, you're a victim. 100%. Because it creates a victim villain mental mm-hmm. imagery. Yes. Okay. And I said, now, now what we do in vocabulary, another important point is we are huge fans of uh, accuracy versus inaccuracy, input, output. Okay. Mm-hmm. So instead of right and wrong, good or bad, we, we, we focus on cause and effect. So I had her take out this word and put in I. So it says, I made me think we needed to get married. So I asked her, which is more accurate? And she goes, well, I mean, I guess I, you guess? <laughs> right. Because, and, and the reason she said it that way is because this is now bumping up into her story of him doing that to her. He right. might have be, been very convincing, yes. And at the end of the day, I think my thoughts. I agree or disagree with my thought processes. And this right there kept her mad for years. Changing that one word, the one word game, it put her in a process of moving past this so she can now open up to her life because she'd been divorced for seven years and was still way not okay with the whole thing. So, so let me ask you something uh, selfish. Sure, if, sure. Go. If somebody says to me, I have a bad back, mm-hmm. that's, that's a false narrative. How do I change general? It, it is very general, but how do we change that? Like I do it in my own way um, using methods that I've learned from you that are not, I'm bastardizing them. If I'm being yeah, honest, you got to make them yours. Okay. Well, good. Then I'm doing, I'm doing it right. But, yeah, but, sure. the, but the question is for someone listening to this, I, I have, sho- I have a bad shoulder. I have bad knees. That, that's what people say. That's exactly what they say. I have an old shoulder injury. You, oh, it's my old knee injury. You know, it's, and I talk about this all the time to, to new clients. If, if you went out to a restaurant and every time you went to read, you struggled and you say, gosh, you're so fucking stupid, Sean. You can't even read. You fucking idiot. Your friends would be like, whoa, mm-hmm. whoa, what is that? It would be very obvious that that's not okay. And if you were driving on the highway, you saw a sign, it's like, where are we getting off? Oh, you're going to get off at um, Rockefeller Way. Well, you know I can't read, so why don't you just tell me when to get off? It's, Whoa, you can learn how to read. There are ways to overcome this thing. But if you're getting up from the dinner table and you go, oh man, damn it, it's my bad needs. It's, it's always fucking me up. Then someone's going to be like, oh man, that's the one you hurt when you were in Thailand, right? Yes. And it's a totally different level of societal acceptance of the way you're talking to yourself. So how do they change that? I'd want to know, we'll put some borders on it first. Okay. So, so since when, so uh, uh, let's just say two, well, I've had a bad knee for two years. Okay. Okay. Now that's going to change their perspective of it because I have a bad, bad knee is that's like we said, it's general. It's very global. Just the way it is. So you're saying, you're saying ask the question to them. How long have you had a bad knee for? Yeah, sure. Since college. 
And, and when is it the worst? They'll tell you, okay, cool. When is it, or you just, you, you know, one step at a time. Is it always the same pain all the time, every single day? Most of the time people are going to say no. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So I want to know when it's at, it's at its worst. Because right. then I can know when it's at its best. Mm-hmm. And what are you, what, what are you doing? What, what's the difference in your lifestyle between when it's at its best and its worst? Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, my knee actually, and they'll use that word a lot. I know you know that. My knee will, my knee actually feels okay um, uh, when, I, when, when, I, when I stretch in the morning and see how the, it, the, the tone, uh, the inflection is going up. Yeah, it's almost like they're questioning themselves. They're questioning themselves. They haven't yet solidified that statement. They haven't yet socialized that statement. And, 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 and if or once they do, then it can turn into a habit. Most people's pain is directly or indirectly driven by their daily habits. I know this to be true. Why do I know this to be true? Because, uh, let's see, uh, 42, 17 years ago, a doctor said, your career as a fighter is over. You can become a very good swimmer. I know someone who, I actually know another person with a knee like yours, and he can walk, okay? And I was in horrible pain, okay? And that's when I was uh, 20, 26, 16, doesn't matter, over 15 years ago. And guess what I do now? I jog, I squat, I kickbox hard. I spar. Uh, and, and I feel better now than I did when I was competing. Now, why is that? I've changed, I've made some adjustments in my lifestyle and before it shows up in our outer world world as adjustments in our lifestyle, obviously we have to adjust our thought processes first. Okay. So, um, showing them that and getting things written down on paper, it does expedite the process of helping people change what they're doing and why they're doing it because they can see it. Okay. My knee is, my knee hurts a lot when, uh, you know, I watch TV all weekend. Okay. Or if I drive more than six hours, that's when it really bothers me. And if someone's knee really hurts them three times a week when they drive for four or five plus hours, if they, if they let themselves do it, they'll, they'll tell themselves the story of I have a bad knee. Right. It's so it's super easy to do that because it hurts just like the apex stories of the guy that, uh, you know, with his, with his gym, he probably had five or six, uh, um, I'm just, I'm totally speculating here. He might've had five or six, uh, intense, un, uncomfortable experiences with some clients. And now he sees all his clients that way. Well, so, so, so now when people can start changing that story to themselves, like in, 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 semi-fictional character Bob's way or my, you know, the person with a knee problem. Once they start to realize that that story is not true, what does that unlock for them? Choices. Okay. Options. So, 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 so just changing the story for themselves, because I want people to understand this because I think that this can come across to somebody who is not fully understanding the opportunity that this kind of a, an education presents. Which, by the way, and I expect that. Right. Well, well. So, so for people listening, I just bought this for my entire staff of seventeen people. I went on Mark's website and bought seventeen registrations for his course 
for my entire staff because that's how valuable I think it is for them to be able to have better conversation with themselves, with their clients, so that they can deliver a higher level of service to their clients so that their clients will tell other people, you won't believe the way that my coach talks to me. It makes me feel better just when he talks to me or she talks to me. And then they will refer more people to our business and I and we will make more money and help more people. Selfish. I was selfish when I spent the money helping my staff. Okay. The nail on the head. You said education. Yes. But so I don't want people to think when they hear this, that this is another situation of affirmations in front of the mirror that I can convince myself that these things are not true. So it frees up the choices of, okay, I understand maybe all of my members aren't cheap and maybe all of my members don't actually feel that way. You're crushing it. Yes. Right. And, and, and now what happens is instead of even saying, maybe they're not all like that, maybe they don't, you can start to say the opposite, which you use very effectively when I met you in Austin last year, which was instead of saying my mom was, my mom doesn't care about me. And then going to, well, sometimes I guess she's there to, I remember when my mom was there, right? My mom, my mom is sometimes in the right place at the right time, exactly when I need her to be. And it's totally different than the other one. And now that person who runs the gym can say, I have clients. I have some clients in my gym who would be interested in a higher level of value from us and who would be willing to pay for that, edu- that elevated level of value. And then you go and deliver that. And lo and behold, others who were not interested because they didn't believe it was possible are now interested as well. A thousand percent. That language, what you just, how you structured your language. Maybe there are people in my gym that would be interested in a higher level of education. That right there, it's, it's, it comes down to the, and this goes, this tech, it's tech, it's technology, technical knowledge of how to use our words to just like a binocular. Most people walk around in their binoculars just out of focus, and we help people adjust their lenses so they can, they can see what they want to see more of. Maybe there's 10% of the people in his gym that would be interested in higher education. And yet, because he's telling himself the story of, you know, it's a low income this and nobody's this and that, he literally can't see them as the opportunity that they are because his reticular activating system, because they're not Ford F-150s, his reticular activating system is just dismissing them because they're not that. So he uses that language and brings them into focus. And then he's like, well, actually, you know what? There's this person and that person. He develops those people, early adopters, call them what you will. And here's the crazy thing, right? In, 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 a, in a gym space or in a, in, a, in a fitness space, if you're looking at, let's call it 150 people, and you're like, you know, none of them will do this. And then you start looking at, you're like, you know what? Maybe 15%, maybe 15% of people here would do that. Well, now you're up to 22 people. And if you can give those 22 people something that costs $200 extra per month, for example, well, 22 people times $200 a month is $4,400 every single month. And for a lot of fitness facilities, that's the difference between staying open and not. Yeah. And all it took was looking for the 15% who do want it instead of assuming everybody doesn't. Yes. And let's make this practical for the people that are listening. Instead of going... You know, like you said, affirmations in front of the mirror, use some conscious soft talk. 
maybes, coulds. Maybe there are some people in my gym that dot, dot, dot. Use that language, <coughs> excuse me, and watch what comes into focus. Plug specific names in there. Maybe Steve would be interested in and see how you see them. Mm-hmm. Okay. As opposed to saying, people want this. Yes. Yay. We're good enough. People want, no, we're not. There is nothing cheerleader about vocabulary at all. We are interested in education. Okay. I was an educator. Like I said, before I got involved in this, I say this in almost every podcast and presentation that we give that most people's education about their language. And when I say language, I mean, internal and external dialogue. What I think internal and what I say and write external comes down to three things, spelling, grammar, and definitions, none of which goes into any comp, anything at all. I didn't have one class course, class, or conversation in while I was getting my master's in education about how to use my language to help structure a conversation so it turns into a win-win-win scenario. I had no training in how to talk to myself in order to keep me in the game, in order to build me up and, and maintain my focus on what is important to me. That is what vocabulary does. Procabulary is simply a productivity tool. We help people organize what they think and say so they stay focused on what matters. And I love it. I mean, I I'm not, I want to make sure people understand. I asked Mark to come on this show. I don't make any money if you guys go and buy it. I'm not asking Mark to give you an irresistible offer of some kind of a crazy discount so that you'll go do something that you should do anyway. And I will anyway. That's very nice of you. Um, but I mean, it's value. I had, a, I was on a podcast earlier today as a guest and the person, the host asked me, he said, Sean, you know, active life has grown so fast and you guys seem to be doing such great things, both in the mindset and the physical space for people. Do you ever have issues with scarcity? Like, do you ever find yourself dealing with the scarcity mindset, which we all know is catastrophic to a business? And my answer was, of course I do. Of course I do. Everybody who's in business looks around the landscape and says, why don't I have more clients? Why aren't we making more money? Why aren't we impacting more people? And the difference between the me of old and the me of now is instead of being in that space for a prolonged period of time, when I can observe myself there, I'm able to start asking myself the questions of, whoa, 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 why are you, why are you feeling like that's the truth right now? Can you give yourself examples of the opposite being the truth? That's high level. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. Well, and then, and then it's, well, so then if those opposite things have occurred, was there something that you were able to do that manifested those things into becoming reality? Yes. Well, when is the last time that you did one of those things? Hmm. Not that recently. That's very high level thought processes. Well, and then get to work. Yeah. You know, it's it's, one of my mentors talks about um, the, the idea of if you just keep asking yourself how, you're going to get there. You know, if, if you keep saying how, eventually the next how is picking up the phone and calling somebody who you already have a relationship with. That's it. As opposed to, I uh, could never. Well, what if the laws of physics said it is possible and you want it to be true, then it should be probable. You just don't know how to do it yet. So start asking how from the end of the story and work your way back to the beginning until I'm calling Mark England and saying, hey, how would I get on a TED stage? 
you've done it. Right? I have. Right. And those are good conversations and you will. Without a doubt. And but but the point I'm making to people is that if you if you if you don't intentionally work on the way that you speak to other people and to yourself, then you're going to allow yourself to believe these false stories mm. that lead you down a losing path. Totally. They're seductive. Yeah. And it's yes. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll, one more story and then I'll let you, I'll get it back to you. Cause it's actually not about me, but, um, I want, I told Mark, I want to give a Ted talk. I will give a Ted talk. I don't know the first thing about how to get myself on a TED stage, TEDx stage or a TED stage, any stage. But Mark has been on that stage. So when I reached out and said, hey, how do I do it? What, what happened there was I went from a mindset of, I don't know how I would ever, ever get on one of those stages to how would I get on one of those stages? Mm. And then it's, oh, I would have to, and then you just keep working back and it's who do I know who I can ask who knows the next step? Mark England. Cool. Let me call him. And that's it. That's called winning. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I anticipate it will be. Yeah. Uh, yes. But so, so, so Mark, one more question for you and then um, sure. I'll let you go. Why did you decide to start this company? You know, there are so many things that you could have done. Like I, I now, I don't have the understanding of this the way that you do, but I have an understanding of it where I'm like, great, I can use this kind of language tool and education and go have massive impact in the space that I'm trying to disrupt. I don't want to teach people how to speak this way. Why did you decide, oh, cool. I intentionally landed in this place and now I want to educate the world on how to do it instead of simply using it to your own advantage? Good question. Thanks. Good questions. I'm, I'm, I'm a vocabulary student. Of course you I'm. are. Yes, you are. <laughs> First and foremost, uh, I needed it for me. I needed to develop the skill because that's what it is. The skill of being able to moderate and manicure the conversation that I have with myself about myself. It's very important. It's two, the, uh, there are a lot of reasons. Two, it holds my attention. Const consistently, I pay very close attention to what holds my attention. The first thing that ever held my attention as in nothing else in the universe accepts, it, it exists except for this and myself was martial arts, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Thai boxing. When I'm doing those things, it's, it's, that's the only reality that there is, okay? That's holding my attention. When I'm sitting with someone and we're doing a coaching session or I'm on stage, that's the only thing that exists. When I'm having conversations with my business partners, when we're shooting content, that's the only thing that exists. It, 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 and, and it's only gotten, it's, that's only, it's, it's only built up as we've gone. Uh, I've, I've got a 50 year goal with this. It, it, after about, after roughly 10 years of this line of work, and I see it as a craft, let's be very clear. It's a craft, the ability to get on stage and take people on a ride. 
with words fascinates me. Being able to down-regulate and become so comfortable in myself and with the content that I can pay attention to the, 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 the subtle social cues and the ebbs and flows of the crowd and, and work that in, in, in certain ways and work with that and, 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 and deliver the singular message that language is powerful and then back it up from all different angles with facts and stories and, and demonstrations that, I mean, what that does is it gives me an opportunity to bring out a version of myself that very few things would. Um, I love the feedback. I love the feedback when someone comes back and and they say, you know, um, man, my email game has gone way up. I'm like, cool. Or if someone comes, comes back to us and they say, you know, that thing that we wrote down 18 months ago, it happened. It actually happened. Cool. I'll take that. When someone comes back to us and they say, I, I'm now speaking to my children almost exclusively in affirmation and their behavior has radically changed. I'll take that. When someone comes back to us and they say, you know, I don't even know where all the drama has gone with myself and my partner. It's like the, the, it's like the, the, the something that the, the air is cleared in the house. I'll take that. There's a lot of reasons why I'm involved in this. I love it. And I, I meet rad people through it. Yourself included. Bruce, let's look at that. We, uh, I got to fly in and give a presentation to 12. How many people were in the room for Bruce? 15 or 16. 15 kick-ass people, man. And then I get to leave and the, 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 the relationships are just get better. I mean, uh, these are the people that I like hanging out with. Mm-hmm. Okay, Strong, proactive, open-minded, cool individuals. So it's just, it's, it's bonus after bonus after bonus. Well, so, so people who listen to this podcast already know this story. I forget what episode it is, but I, I, I'll send it to you because I think you'll actually enjoy it. It's a podcast Please. episode that I did with my daughter. Wow. At the time she was three. She's wow. Whoa. Closer to four, right? So the reason why this episode to me is, is so special and so important, and I, I think you'll, you'll be all about it, is... She, like any kid, gets frustrated a lot because they don't have the experience to figure things out. And she would, when she would get frustrated, I can't do this. I can't do that. I don't, I don't know. It's too far. I can't do that. Whatever, right? Like whatever it is that she can't do, she would describe it as I can't do this. I need your help, which we all know is not true all the time. Mm. I mean, look, if your kid wants to get something off the top of their refrigerator and they're two feet tall, it is true, but Mm. it's not always true. So I taught my daughter that when she gets into a situation where she's frustrated, I'm going to ask her, what can you do? And we drilled it when she was in a good state of mind. And I would say, what can you do? She'd say, I can do anything. We did that a hundred times in her bed one night. So that when I say, what can you do? She says, I can do anything. Um, and now, the other day, yesterday, two days ago, for example, there was a squishy toy that was on our kitchen table that she wanted. And where she was standing, she couldn't reach it. And she said, Daddy, I can't get to my squishy toy. And she started like getting close to tears. And she's like, I can't reach it. Can you give it to me, Daddy? I said, Mackenzie, what can you do? 
She's like, I can do anything. I said, well, then figure out how to get to the squishy toy. And she walked around the chair, propped herself up on it, reached off, grabbed it, smiled, said, I got it, daddy. I said, yeah, you did. And we use that every single time that she gets frustrated and it works 60% of the time for a four-year-old. That's huge. Yes. That's huge. You're, tr- you are, you are training competency into that child. That's, that's my, that's my ambition. So I, I'll send you that podcast for you to listen to. I think I'll listen to it. Yes, please. Um, Mark, where can people find you? How can people get more from you? Because I, again, I, you know, like you said, these are the kind of conversations that I enjoy also. Yes. Like there's, there's the, people always ask, what do you do if you can't surround yourself with the people who you want to be like, if they're not local to you? <laughs> Listen to well, podcasts. Yes. Like you don't have time for people who aren't like that. So say, no, I can't right now. I'm listening to a podcast with somebody who I want to be like. So mm. where, where can people find more from you? Great place to start is with our TED Talk. It's nine minutes. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun story of uh, uh, tragedy and redemption. And we, we interlace the message of, of language and story and identity and abracadabra in through the whole thing. It's also a great thing to share with people if you want to start a conversation with them about the power of words. As far as the course is concerned, our foundational training course, you can find that on procabulary.org. Click on courses, watch the three-minute promotional video. It'll tell you everything about what you'll get from it, how it'll work for you, how easy it is to take. And on the next page over, you can click it. It'll it'll, uh, uh, select the right course. Go to the next page and in the, the coupon box, enter next level. The courses, it retails for $299. That's a $100 coupon code. And you will have access to those videos for life. It's a 21-day course. It takes 10 minutes a day to do. It's super easy to take. And it's fun too because we like to have fun. Perfect. Do that, guys. Do that. You'll love it. You'll love it. It's, 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 a, it's a great course. And listen, I, like I said earlier, I don't get paid if you guys type that code in there. I didn't ask Mark, but like, there's none of that. I just want you guys to get better because I want to have elevated conversations with more of you in my Instagram DM and in my email. Amen. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate the time today. Dr. Sean, thank you very much. And thank you everybody for listening. That's a wrap for another Active Life podcast, guys. If you like what you're hearing, make sure you're going to wherever you listen to podcasts and leaving us a five-star rating and a review. We want to grow this thing. We want to change the world. It's not about movement. It is a movement. Please help us out with that. Remember, until next time, turn pro.